I would say most probably about 80% of our bookings for next year are all repeat customers. But we have some customers that will come two or three times in a year, and which is really nice because you then start to build that rapport with them. And they almost then feel like old friends coming back to stay. We've had a lot of people come and say, oh, I've watched your virtual tour. Oh, I've seen you on YouTube. And then the kids go, oh, that's Vicky. And like, they already know us, um, which is so lovely. It does definitely come with lots of highs and lots of lows. And when you're out there and it's minus two and you're trying to build a brand new dome for the season ahead, and you're thinking, why am I doing that? Just remember, in a couple of months time, it's gonna be brilliant sunshine. You're gonna have families running around and having fun. And so it's going to be a massive high. Hello and welcome back to the Glamper Tech podcast. Hope you've all had a great Christmas and you're having a good new year. Uh, today, for the first one of 2022, we're joined by um, Vicky and Brian Jones of Tractors and Cream. They're the owners of a glamping business. Where, whereabouts are you based? We're in Somerset. Somerset, down in Somerset. Um, and they have, first of all, they've got a really successful glamping business, but they've also got a really successful YouTube channel. Um, and that obviously blends into their success as a glamping business. And today we're just going to talk generally about where the idea for their site came from, um, how they set up their site, what's good, what's bad about that being a glamping site owner, and just give a really good general overview of what it's like to be a glamping site owner from the start of the process to the end of the process. Um, so just to introduce yourselves, guys, um, how, how did the idea to start a glamper business come about? Um, well, we bought a house, so we moved, um, we moved from Surrey to Somerset because of Brian's job, because he got a job in Bristol and, um, Brian's from South Africa. So he just said, Oh, I just fancy a bit of land. I was like, you know, about four acres would do me. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Great. So I started looking for houses of land and then we found this house that had um, a six and a half acre field. Um, and I thought, well, we had big discussions, didn't we, as to what we were going to do. So we thought initially we might keep goats. So we went on a goat keeping course and uh, there was a point in time where I had a goat between my legs and I was putting the uh, drenching fluid down, wasn't it, um, down its throat. And I was like, Brian, I can't do this. I can't be a goat farmer. No. no way. So then, well, we met working in a hotel, so we kind of know hospitality. So Brian said, why don't we sort of um, people. try people? Yeah, farm people rather than farm goats. Yeah. Well, it was something that we, we have a background in and we understand the hospitality industry really well, having worked in pubs, hotels. Uh, and then we thought, well, let's go and stay in a, a yurt because we'd never done glamping before. And we went and stayed in a yurt, must be about six or seven years ago now. Yeah, six years ago, yeah. Let, let's just put it, I was not sold on the whole glamping experience at that point. He hated that, absolutely hated it. <laughs> I, I think that was what was the catalyst then for us to think, well, okay, they've done that, they're how they were, how would we do it so that actually I would want to stay in it? And Vicky, I'll tell you, I'm no seasoned glamper by any stretch. I love hotels. And I think that's just because of my background in hotels. So we, we've now tried to create this to be much more how I would want to stay here. So uh, it's mainly like toilets, like having a toilet right nearby, having private shower rooms. Um, so from not being campers, we've made something to suit people who, who want to try camping with their kids but are a bit worried about it. And this is a really good a way of introducing your kids to the outdoor type of stuff. Right, and we are gonna, go on, sorry. 
no, I was just going to say that actually most of our clients, they, they come from basically an hour away from us. And it's all city folk that just want their kids to experience it outdoors. And so that's what we've tried to create is a real safe space for their kids to run free and be kids, especially in the city. They can't just run wild and have fun outside as much as say they can here. And that's what we've tried to create. Okay. And you mentioned there that you met at a hotel um, and it's quite a common theme of quite a lot of the guests that we've had on here over the course of this podcast, that a lot of them have had previous hospitality experience and they've applied that to running the glamping site. And so how, how have you guys applied those um, principles that you developed working in, in the hotel industry to your glamping business? I would say most of it is customer service. Like I think when you've worked in a service-based job, you understand the public and you understand how to give good customer service and you understand what people want so so customer service is at the forefront of our business in that we want to make sure everybody has an absolutely amazing time we will go above and beyond and do whatever we can to make their stay the best it possibly can be um so yeah we learn like housekeeping and we learn like bar work and we learn everything you could learn from being in a hotel I was on reception and did reservations and all that sort of stuff um but generally you learn how to deal with the general public and presumably um if, if you provide that really good customer experience you get to know the customers that leads to quite a few repeat bookings mm, yeah I would say most probably about 80 percent of our bookings for next year are all repeat customers but we have some customers that will come two or three times in a year, and which is really nice because you then start to build that rapport with them and they, they almost then feel like old friends coming back to stay. You've made some really good friends, actually, um, just from them staying several times, you know, since so since we started in 2017, we might have seen them sort of six or seven times they might have stayed. And so then our kids get to be friends with their kids and then actually they're probably not from that far away so then you might meet up another time like we've been invited by the campfires and we've been invited like to like meet halfway um with people who like live down in Plymouth or something like that so um so yeah we've actually made really good friends from it and I think you wouldn't have had that if we were just doing the no hands-on approach of hi you're staying in yurt number two around the corner there and then just left them to that whereas I think because you're so hands-on and you go and you make campfires for the kids and you really get stuck in and then you get on that personal level and I think that's what is part of the key to our success yeah and that's amazing we, we, we talk a lot on this podcast with guests about the importance of customer service but you've just demonstrated there where you say roughly eight percent of your guests are, are previous bookings that just shows you both you know obviously I'm sure it makes you you know happy seeing these people again and again but also for the business i mean it speaks for itself if you just know that you've got a constant stream of bookings coming in if, as long as you treat keep treating these guests right and um, then it absolutely makes sense to invest time and money into um into this customer service yeah because it then means you haven't got a, a marketing <clears throat> cost really because you don't need to you don't need to pay for airbnb or booking.com or any of those um otas um and yeah, we don't really actually advertise, do we? Particularly, no. Yeah, yeah. As, as you say, it's a lot cheaper to retain a customer than it is to bring a new one in. Um, so, so just to give a picture for the for the audience of what your glamping site consists of, what? Well, there you go. There's a question. What does your glamping site actually consist of? Um, so we've got two yurts and two geodesic domes with a another a third geodesic dome coming uh, probably next month. 
um and we've also got a holiday cottage as well and I know did you start with um yurts and you sort of started to move towards domes is, is that right yeah, we started with um, we started with the yurts just because we literally knew nothing about glamping, and we went and stayed at the yurt and thought, oh, glamping is yurts. <laughs> like, why did we think that? We didn't even explore the option. But uh, I mean, we were very restricted because our planning permission only allowed us only allows us canvas, so we couldn't have shepherd huts. We can't have caravans. We can't have anything wooden, you know. So we are governed by that. So we then branched into the world of bell tents which is absolutely hideous <laughs> never again thank you <laughs> oh, we're in quite an exposed site and so the bell tent got ripped and damaged in the wind and we had guests that were supposed to be staying in there and it's all very stressful so then we were like what is the most wind resistant structure that we can possibly find and we went to the glamping show and looked into the geodesic domes and so came across true domes um and uh yeah thought they were brilliant right and and a lot of these questions are based off the the youtube videos that i've seen of you guys and i fear i might be able to i might start off a bit of a domestic here um but <laughs> i know that when you were uh, uh, decorating the interior of, of the one of the, either the yurts or the domes one of you did uh, one of them and the other did the other and there was a bit yeah. of a discrepancy <laughs> in how much it cost to do the interiors for for that unit so if you could just run us through what happened there and how you uh vicky managed to keep the cost down and <laughs> make why well, maybe brian uh, <laughs> oh my days up. yeah so um yes because we had two yurts um like for time i said well you sort out the green yet i'll sort out the blue yet so I went for the let's get like secondhand beds in that I can repaint and let's buy stuff off Facebook Marketplace. And um, I spent £400 furnishing my yurt. And yours looks like £400. <laughs> <laughs> it's the favourite. And so Brian went to Oak Furniture Land and bought a massive mango bed that was like £800 and then bought everything new because he can't cope with Facebook Marketplace. No um so he spent 1400 pounds on the interior see the difference mine looks the business i thought this argument might have been settled by now but clearly not no, <laughs> no definitely not i still think mine is far better mine is much more hotel chic whereas yours is much more down the local i don't know <laughs> well to be fair a bit of variety on the site is probably better than having two identical looking units so you know people can mix and match each time they stay i imagine um well, that's, that, yeah well that's what we've gone with is yeah. trying to do each one completely differently so we were very lucky that we had the bbc my unique bnb team come and interior design our new our dome well, 2020 dome um so we had an interior designer do that and then we then got an interior designer to do the new dome to do class dome um so that everyone is completely different and i think we've had guests that are actively going through them so that trying to stay in each one um and so this new dome that we're going to be getting for this year will be again completely different in design um just to, yeah mix it up there yeah, yeah and this one is really going to be different because traditionally in a dome you'll have all of your insulation the same color we've actually decided to go for two-tone color this time just to totally make it way up and so this dome should look pretty epic and we built the toilets and everything inside it but we're trying to create almost like a moroccan landscape of the sky being dark at night above 
and then with like a sands around it. And, and I think it should look really good, whether or not it works. <laughs> in my head it works, but I think it yeah. should look epic. Are, are they from True Domes? Yes. Yeah. yeah, we had Kelda from True Domes on the last episode, so I'm sure she'll be happy for a shout out there. Um, oh yeah, did. we listened to it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I mentioned a few times here your YouTube channel, and this is, I don't know whether you treat this as a marketing tool, but I think it is an absolutely fantastic marketing tool. Uh, you've got a YouTube channel where you sort of uh, talk about life running a glamping site, life setting up a glamping site. Um, and I think it's got just over 6,000 subscribers on YouTube, which for in the glamping industry is huge. Um, and just just wondering really where the idea for that came about and, and how, how, you know, how useful do you think it's been um, to have that as, a, as an asset for your business? Have I talked about vlogging, like what goes on? Because, you know, there's some crazy stuff happens here. And so I've, I've talked about it for ages. So let's let's video what we do. Um, and then for my birthday in 2019, I said to Brian, oh, can you buy me a GoPro? So I wanted to start vlogging. Um, and so uh, that's when we started. We started January 2020 with the YouTube channel. Um, and we just made a video about how we got started. And then we just tried to keep making a video every week, basically. And the purpose of it was to go around to different places locally and video I don't know, like the Willows and Wetlands Centre that's nearby. So make a video there so we could put it on our website and then guests would see where they can go. Because people like to watch videos, they like to people, you know, people like it to be easy to find out things to do in the local area. So that was my initial idea to also try and get the guests to get to know us before they came, because other, then it's a bit more personal, isn't it? If, they, if somebody feels like you, they know you already, then it feels all a bit more comfortable. Um, so we've had a lot of people come and say, oh, I've watched your virtual tour. Oh, I've seen you on YouTube. And then the kids go, oh, that's Vicky. And like, they already know us, yeah. um, which is so lovely. Um, and so, yeah, we just sort of started making a video and it, it didn't do that well. And then in the first lockdown, Brian wanted to make a, an A-frame cabin for a, home, for a home office. I don't know what, I don't know why, I don't know how it happened, <laughs> but it just happened. We thought we've got time, let's just build this cabin. Um, and that somehow got picked up in America and we've that's had like 600,000 views or something like that, that video. Um, and um, yeah, that kind of catapulted the channel a bit, which was brilliant. Um, and yeah, we've had we've been in contact with all sorts of people all over the world. Like I've been chatting with somebody in the Isle of Man at the moment about who's setting up their site. And we've had people come down here and visit and have a look around. And um, I've had people in like New Mexico and in Romania and literally all over the world message us and say, oh, what, where are your dames from? What bell tent size would you recommend? Just completely random questions, um, which has been so exciting. Yeah. Is there a particular video of yours that is your favourite to make? Um, I like the build, build. Yeah, the build videos, like where we do a start to finish build of a dome or build of a, you know, the A-frame even. Um, that was fun. I yeah. just think you can do so much more with the camera and you can do like your time lapses and it just makes it much more visually interesting I feel but doing like a build video although we've just literally just finished filming our best bits of 2020 and that was quite fun yeah 2021 <laughs> we're back in with 2022 now Brian keep up <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah so we just filmed um like and we just kind of recapped what's happened in 2021 and you realize crikey loads has happened and we've done the heaps and 
and then you we look for like look on to what's happening next year and you know there's so much going on and and for us we're going to start forgetting about all the stuff we've done and so to have that even if the youtube channel had zero subscribers we would still have that kind of documentation of what we've done and how how far we've come and you can just look back in 10 years time and it's all it's all there on youtube for us to watch that's pretty apt that you say that actually because i was just about to say now that you're you know pretty successful glamping site owners you, you, you've been running it for years now it might be a little tricky to remember what it was like actually starting the site um mm. but, so because i wanted to ask you you know what were the best and the worst parts and possibly the most frustrating parts um of this the glamping site setup process so the worst part is building a yurt <laughs> oh my days is the most stressful thing and like all these things you're supposed to have a team of people and it's generally just we haven't got just me and brian we don't have any family around to help particularly um so building that first time we built the yurt i thought what on earth are we doing it's so difficult i don't know how we're going to do it i don't know how we're going to like taking it down and putting it up every year is so stressful so that's why we moved to domes because you can leave, leave them up all year round um although we went into the dome yesterday and um a mouse has many mice i think have got in there and chewed every bit of soft furnishing that i left in there to shreds so um that is the only downside but um but yeah generally it was for me the yeah i don't know about you well so everybody always says all oh, planning for us was absolute nightmare but for us, planning was actually one of the simplest bits. Obviously, it came with a whole number of caveats in that we could only have 10 structures maximum. We could only have uh, canvas. But in terms of the planning process, that was really straightforward for us. We were very, very lucky. And everybody said to us, oh, you can't do it alone. You've got to get somebody in to do it for us. But we just basically we winged it, just the pair of us. I did all the block drawings and submitted it and thought, well, if we don't get it, we don't get it. But fingers crossed we do. And I think it was like it was eight weeks. Eight it was weeks. the standard planning. Yeah. And we were like, wow, okay, we've now got the planning. What do we do? And so then it was like, okay, what are we going to do? So then we thought, okay, we've stayed in the yurt, let's do the yurt. But we went into it very, very slow and very small scale when we first started. You know, we had the two yurts, but Vicky at the time was a bit like, oh, how am I going to be able to cope with two lots? And so we'd always only have one yurt in operation, and then the other one was on a turnaround. And then we've swapped and then slowly we went, actually, I can handle that. And then we, and then for the next year, it was both the yurts. And then we just basically grew organically uh, as she, every time she felt that she could take on more or we got staff in to help and that. Uh, and so obviously we now have staff that help to turn stuff around and that because we don't do the, the Monday check-in, Friday check-out, Friday check. We, we're open and you can check in. If you want to check in on the Thursday and check out on the Monday, you can. Obviously we have a two, two night minimum stay just because we do all of the washing ourselves and it just wouldn't be financially viable for us to do like a one night stay. But I would say that that's how we grew. But in terms of hardships, I can't think there were... <laughs> we've, we've a lot of time, like you forget these things. A lot of the time we've said, that's it, we're selling up. It's so stressful, we've had enough. Um, but it's mainly trying to get the... It's that time between... February and April when we open, trying to get the yurts up, the furniture back in, um, all the mattresses in, like our conservatory is has 20 mattresses in it and all the bedding. And you know, you have to take an entire room of your house up for all the all the storage of stuff. 
and so it's that it's that time of the setup every year that I find the most stressful now. I think you only find that stressful is because like this year we're going to be building two domes at the same time as trying to get the site ready yeah it's because we never sit still and just go okay we're at ca the capacity possibly mm -hmm. as time we'll be at capacity and i will let you just be put all the furniture in and that but it's when we're building stuff continually and trying to always evolve the site yeah it's hard work that, that's yeah. when it becomes a bit more daunting because obviously during the middle of winter you don't want to be building stuff but that is the time you have to build stuff, isn't yeah. it, in the winter? <laughs> yeah, and we've covered the hardships now. What would you say is the best part about running a glamping site? The smiles on the kids' faces when they just realise that they've got six and a half acres to run around and just be free. Yeah, and when, and when I know this sounds really sadistic, but when the child is crying because they don't want to leave, that <laughs> makes me happy. <laughs> because we know that we have made the most incredible memories for that family, and... You know, if I mean, if we didn't exist, I'm sure some they'd go somewhere else. But you know, we we've done that for that family, and that to me is is priceless. And I know you've you've spoken about in the past about the fact that it's also giving you the opportunity to give your your children a completely fantastic lifestyle where they can you know live living in and around the site and they've got all this freedom and there's there's a play area as well. And it must be great being able to, to raise your kids on, on in that kind of atmosphere. Yeah, oh my goodness, they absolutely love it. And um, like William, he's the most sociable little kid ever. And so he will go off and find some friends and play for hours with them. And like one family, like um, Nicola and Jake, like they say, we come back for William because <laughs> Jake, William entertains Jake and they get on so well that they come back every year and just so the kids can play together. And um, yeah, they are kids. Do absolutely love it and have the most amazing childhood. They're, they're so lucky the pair of them. Um, because they've just got the freedom and they can just go off and they can make new friends and they can go to the different play areas. And you know, Annabelle's decided that her career is going to be running the glamping site with me. And um, you know, she's helping me do the turnaround now because she's eight, so she's kind of getting more useful now. Um, so yeah, it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant for them. Uh, because we also do events as well uh, and so Annabelle's very good at like helping with the events and she's almost like a little mini waitress type thing mm. and I think uh, as we're getting an event dome this year I think as we do more and more events and as the kids get older they'll start to be able to help a lot more and so a that'll keep our costs down also, <laughs> slavery with the kids it's <laughs> also then setting them up in a mindset of being able to work for themselves mm. uh, and it's all these skills that hopefully they will learn as they grow older, instead of just suddenly getting to the age of needing to start a career and going, okay, what can I do type thing, then they will already have been in a business and grown up with it. And I think yeah. that's priceless. Yeah. And so it go, going into the final question, apart from getting your children to do all the work for you, what would you say <laughs> is the biggest piece of advice you'd give to a prospective glamping site owner? Don't be afraid to do it. Yeah, just don't just if you want to do it, then just do it. Like you there's so many people who I mean when I spoke to Kelda about it actually, she said, this is um Kelda from True Dames, she said that most people it takes three years. So they decide they they go in there, they speak to Kelda and they say, I'm gonna buy a dome. And they don't actually purchase that dome for three years because they sit on the idea, they kind of I mean, you've got to plan for these things, but sometimes you've just got to get on and do it. Otherwise, you'll sit and chat about it and never, never actually get on with it. 
So I think it, just do it is my my advice. Um, but don't be afraid of a lot of hard work. Yeah, that's going to be my next point because it does definitely come with lots of highs and lots of lows. And when you're out there and it's minus two and you're trying to build a brand new dome for the, the season ahead and you're thinking, why am I doing that? Just remember, in a couple of months' time, it's going to be brilliant sunshine. You're going to have families running around and having fun. And so it's going to be a massive high. But you only realise those highs by having that hard time. And so I think it's a perfect mix. But no, hard work is... You, you don't be afraid of that. Yeah. And also don't be afraid of spending 1,400 quid at Oak Furniture Land. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Still maintain it is definitely the better one. <laughs> right. Okay. So thank you for that both. Um, if they, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, whether it's about seeking advice for starting a glamour business or want to stay at your site or find your YouTube channel, uh, how would they go about doing that? Um, so you can look up Tracks and Cream on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube um, or the website is tracksandcream.co.uk um, and if you are starting a glamping site and you just want to chat to somebody I am always more than happy to chat to people like I'll do Zoom calls or you can come and visit or you know we don't we don't charge any money for it we just love talking about glamping and helping people um, because we've been through it and we know how hard it is and if you can just have a little bit of advice from anybody then we're always willing to help so absolutely get in touch perfect well thank you for coming on it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for having us <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode of the glamper tech podcast i hope you enjoyed and that you found value in today's episode if you did feel free to leave a rating and review on apple Podcasts, as it really helps us move up the podcast rankings thank you